Let me ask you, are you someone with hair? Well, if you answered yes to that question, do I have the product for you? Visit ModernMammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off because the goal with Modern Mammals is to try and keep your hair and head natural. Since I've been using it, that's exactly what I've experienced. I very much prefer it. I don't know if I'm ever going to switch back. Probably not, to tell you the truth. And this means that it doesn't distort your pH balance and natural oils like shampoo would. Unlike shampoo, the products don't have a harsh detergent that suds up and dries out your head and hair. It's just lighter than traditional shampoo. And unlike conditioners, it doesn't leave hair limp and frizzy. Like, you don't want that Seinfeld in the shower like Rory McIlroy had it once too, where it's just like a, a mop on your head. You don't want that. And if you use modern mammals, that's not going to happen. It's designed to make your hair feel thicker. And my hair at the moment feels so thick, you can't even pull it out. Plus, the products are easy to rinse out, so there's no leftover residue to weigh hair down. So, Go to ModernMammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code MAYO. Don't forget to use my promo code MAYO so they know I sent you. More details in the description. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings today for the first time all season. Well, and of course it's all season, it's fucking week one. But 2020, DraftKings picks and preview. This is for the main slate only, the Millionaire Maker slate on Sunday. So if you're wondering where the Steelers are or the Broncos are, just remember, I've already told you. And if you think that, you're a moron. Please don't bother me. Also, like the episode on YouTube and in the comment section, give me your favorite running back play below $5,000. And if you're listening to the audio podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. I mean, you don't need to review. Just rate it five stars. It takes like two seconds, and that goes a long way into helping the show. You leave a review, even better. Also, I want to tell you that if you are interested in being serious about DraftKings this season, I got two things for you. One, I released a show with Kyle and Javi over the weekend. You can find that up on the podcast feed or up on Mayo Media Network, the YouTube channel, breaking down most of the common mistakes that people make when playing DraftKings, how to be profitable, how to use tools, and the proper strategy you should take, but especially tournament selection. Uh, It's not just enter entries into the millionaire maker and hope to win a million bucks there's actually ways to pick the right tournament that's best for you and how many lineups you're playing because if you're not playing 150 lineups and you're only playing three probably better tournaments for you than the millionaire maker but there are good ones out there with flat payout structures like the pat mayo experience DraftKings open that one's only 15 dollars to play three max entry no rake it is the best tournament on DraftKings, and you can find the link to that tournament right now there's 2,000 spots left in the description of this podcast or video they're filling up quickly so i suggest you go at least reserve your spot right now before you're sitting there on sunday being like man i wish i played in that no rake tournament the best tournament on DraftKings, but i can't because it's full so i suggest you go do that also if you're keen to win on DraftKings this season ftndaily.com if you use code mayo you get yourself a discount and if you screenshot me that you've paid with code mayo uh, over at ftn daily or ftnbets.com you are in a draw to get a refund and keep your football package for the season i'll be announcing that next week so just screenshot to me after you go get the purchase projections optimizer lineup generator everything that you could possibly need to make football easy on yourself and you get the best projections from all the best people like legitimate DraftKings pros are uploading what they're doing and you can see what all of the pros are actually playing as a part of their exposure too you can find that on sunday up on ftndaily.com highly recommend it code mayo get you a discount and you get access to the premium show hosted by pat mayo live friday 7 30 p.m eastern time behind the paywall it's the only paywall thing that i do out there is this one show i'm gonna have DraftKings pros on it with me i obviously am not a DraftKings professional i'm a professional loser on DraftKings. that's where all my money goes they pay me the money to do the show and then i invest it back in and i lose all the money and then i gotta do more shows to make more money so i can lose more money on DraftKings. but either way i have access to some of the sharpest minds behind that paywall show at 7 30 p.m eastern time and you'll get access to that at ftndaily.com 
by using the code Mayo to get that discount, you can watch the show. Um, I'm very happy that this is happening this year, so I can run my my stupid thoughts by them. They can be like, Mayo, you're a moron. Uh, you should actually do this. So I'm super keen on that. I'm gonna try to lose. I'm gonna try to win money in NFL this year. I'm gonna make it like golf and MMA. I want to be a winner in NFL. It just never works out for me. Anyway, enough of me. That was the preamble. I'm not gonna be doing this every week, but I just wanted to let you know about all of these cool things going on right now. Let's talk about it. Main slate, week one, DraftKings 2020. It's here. I'm fucking fired up for football. And I know from FTNDaily.com, the FTN network of sites, Elliot Chris is on the line to help me break this all down position by position. You fired up for football or what, man? Oh, I can't wait. I feel like a 12 year old right now that knows he's getting a PlayStation and it's Christmas Eve. You know, I I, I can't believe it's here. A little worried there for a minute, but I'm, I'm so pumped. And what a game we start with with Chiefs Texans. I know we're not going to touch on it. We're going to break down the main slate, but football's back and I'm pumped. Yeah, I did a showdown show with David Jones and Justin Freeman. That's also up on Mayo Media Network. And again, if you want to get, if you want to play a bunch of lineups in the first game, I mean, who, who wouldn't on DraftKings? Again, FTNDaily.com, uh, the premium package up there. You have projections for the Thursday night game. And if you want to play like 100 lineups, just bloop and just optimize your lineups. Super easy. But let's talk about the main slate. Let's start with running backs. Let's go to the top of the board. No shocker. Christian McCaffrey is the most expensive running back on the board. He's $10,000. It's $2,100 more than Delvin Cook. And in the sevens, you got Alvin Kamara, you have Austin Eckler, and then dropping down into Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Kenyon Drake, Miles Sanders at $6,300. If you're thinking about constructing your lineups this week from a macro view, Elliot, do you have to pay up for two stud running backs? Because the cheaper options, unlike other years where they released the salaries like six weeks before the season started, that all of a sudden there's like five running backs who are $3,000 that you can use. That hasn't happened this year. Like Antonio Gibson's the only guy really that I think people are going to gravitate towards at the lower prices. And the cheapest running backs now are all $4,000. So that's a new wrinkle into everything for this season on DraftKings. That Do you just take McCaffrey and go with it? Or do you try to find like two guys in the sixes? Yeah, so for me, and you're 100% right, that this is a different week one than any of the years past, right? Like even James Robinson is 4K, and I know that's the new uh, mint price for running backs, but that was a guaranteed 3K guy last year. For me with McCaffrey, I'm actually thinking I'm going to fade him this year. It has nothing to do with Christian McCaffrey, but there's so many valuable plays out there right now where I think a guy like Dalvin Cook's more of an 8.5, 8.9 running back even if you look at him in games where he's healthy last year that McCaffrey is priced appropriately and with so many pricing mistakes I'm going to lean in other directions and guys like Josh Jacobs Austin Eckler uh, Dalvin Cook you mentioned Miles Sanders if he's healthy Antonio Gibson I think these guys are real values and I I can build a real core there and then really focus on that six to seven k wide receiver range yeah if you take McCaffrey it does really take away what you can do elsewhere you're gonna have to play some like 3k receivers or play like the super cheapest defense or punt at tight end whatever it might be and maybe a lot of people just don't want to do that uh the opportunity cost of having christian mccaffrey is a lot i'm still kind of on the fence because when i think about delvin cook like there's still like holdout opportunities for him here i don't think it's gonna happen but uh, there's that's the question mark around him with alvin kamara they still haven't reached an agreement as the time that we're recording this on a new contract and he had an epidural on his back apparently he's okay but like That worries me a little bit. Austin Eckler, he could be in a timeshare. Aaron Jones, they're already talking up Jamal Williams somehow. They they go, they have Aaron Jones. They go out and draft like a fullback in the second round. And all of a sudden now they're talking up. They're like 20% snap specialist for pass protection. All of a sudden he's looking good. So kind of worried about Aaron Jones, despite the fact that he crushed Minnesota last year. And Josh Jacobs, I'm not convinced he's going to catch a ton of passes. I'm just not. And in the DraftKings system with full point PPR, I just don't gravitate towards those guys at all. Like, they need to score two touchdowns to earn this price and be at the very top of the running back list. And, yeah, he can do it. I just don't think it's that high percentage of a chance. So then all of a sudden, like, if I've crossed off almost all of those guys, then I'm in the Drake, Miles Sanders, who have injury concerns, but I think that might suppress their ownership a little bit. That's where I would be looking. Yeah, I think Brian Flores actually came out today, the Miami Dolphins coach. and It was a really interesting quote, and I think it's something that we have have to adjust to, is that – he said, guys that are a little banged up, it's unlikely that they're going to be able to play 60, 70, 80% of the snaps. So like, that's a concern with Miles Sanders where it's it's still a mystery to how hurt he really is if he is even hurt. I mean, I would lean towards he's okay with the fact that 
you know, they, they cut three running backs. They only have three running backs on the team. Drake crushed San Francisco last year. They got him involved with 11 receptions in those two games as well. He's going to have no ownership. People are going to see that San Francisco defense and, go, and run for the hills. But the Cardinals did a great job against the 49ers last year. They were winning the one game with a minute to go and ended up having a lateral from Larry Fitzgerald on a comeback drive, cost them the cover. And then the first game on Thursday Night Football, they gave the 49ers all they can handle and almost actually came back. That pace and spread out offense did a lot of damage to them. I think Drake is a guy that's almost always under owned. He should get a workhorse volume and a matchup where people are going to shy away. But you know, he's going to have the five catch uh, floor. That's going to he's going to have the volume and he can break big runs. That I think Drake is a really interesting GPP play this week. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like that unless I mean he was in the walking boot as of like told today. But that happened at the beginning of last year too, and it turned out he was fine. The return of Chase Edmonds into the backfield. I don't think he's going to play a lot, or maybe you see them on the field at the same time. But they play such an up tempo pace that they run so many snaps that even if Drake plays 70% of the snaps, that's like playing 85% if you're on another team because they have so much volume going at it. So if they're up, he's getting the ball. If they're down, he's probably going to be involved in the passing game. And what we saw from them, and hopefully they start going out for it on fourth down a little bit more this year. Cliff, give your head a shake. Go for it on fourth down. No one likes one from the one-yard line field goals. No one wants that. Uh, I'd rather he just turn the ball over at that point. But Drake is getting the touches inside the five-yard line, which is huge. And I think the best way, and Javi and Kyle and I discussed this on the strategy show, is that with running back, sometimes the best thing you can do to really make the optimal like plus EV play in tournaments, especially large field tournaments like the Millionaire Maker, is take the running back who has the perceived bad matchup because no one wants to use him. And it really doesn't make that big of a difference at running back, as it turns out. I mean, snaps and weighted opportunity are what you really want, right? You want your guy to be on the field and you want him to be involved uh, in a pass pass game or run game script like that's your concern with josh jacobs i think the fact that they traded lynn bounded makes a big difference the fact that the panthers are a historically bad run defense who gave up you know 26 touchdowns and over 2,000 yards on the ground and then they lost luke keekley in the offseason so i would push back on jacobs a little bit um but yeah i think you're you're absolutely right that perceived bad matchups have won people a lot of money i mean i remember a couple years ago when you don't play running backs against the seattle seahawks and david johnson came came to town and he was like five percent owned and he was the guy that was scoring 35 points every week and then what did he do he scored 35 points at five percent owned so matchups can get a little overrated when it comes to volume but i definitely think they 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 matter you don't you don't want a guy who's a you know a pass catching back only who and they're going to play from up 14 points but you know guys that stay on the field no matter what i think you can definitely look past the matchups a little bit to try to gain leverage on the field. Well, the the guy that I'm just very curious about, like I think Joe Mixon's a really fine play in another perceived tough matchup, especially it's, it's a little bit easier now without Derwin James around for the Chargers. But I mean, that's projected to be within like a one score game the entire way. He's not coming off the field. Like if Joe Mixon is healthy, he is not losing snaps to Gio Bernard, even in the passing game. And I think with Joe Burrow that you might see an uptick in the passing game for Joe Mixon in that spot. So I like him better than I like Jacobs. Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler, I just can't can't really wrap my mind around and figure out. I'd probably just rather go with the cheaper play there. It's Nick Chubb because Nick Chubb feels like he's going to score three points or 33 points to me. Yeah, I was actually debating Javi on this one. And I, if you look at the first game last year, no one played Chubb and then he killed the Ravens. You look at the Ravens defense historically, Brandon Williams playing has been such a big deal. And the fact that they got Calais Campbell this offseason, I think when he crushed the Ravens, it was before the Ravens figured everything out. Like you look at um, the last 10 games of the season, they won by an average, their average margin of victory was 19.8 points. That's just a team that was slaughtering people. And you look at his production once Hunt came back, he dropped dropped from RB6 to RB17 or 16, excuse me. But obviously he still got the touches and he just didn't get the, the, the touchdowns. But his usage in the past game really concerns me where I think the Ravens are actually going to roll the Browns. And if they do, you know, the Ravens are eight point home favorites. I think the Nick Chubb could be in trouble, but if you're going to play 150 lineups, I have no problem rolling out some Chubb because no one's going to play him. Yeah, I, I on this show, if people don't know, I try to kind of hammer it out for the, not the 150 style player, but more of the 5, 10, 20. Like if you want to max out one of like the $3, 20 max, which is actually a pretty fine contest on DraftKings. Uh, good lower level, you only invest 60 bucks and you get the fun of drafting 20 teams as it goes along for. That's really where I try to cap out. That's what this show is more or less talking about. And 
I, I like that you hit on the spread in this game when you talk about the Ravens are favored by eight. You can even find them at eight and a half in some places right now. And I'm using the pace tool at ftndaily.com and looking at the Browns from last season when they were losing by eight or more points. They pass around 85% of the time. And if this game plays to script, that just doesn't mean a whole lot of Nick Chubb. I'd say the counter to that is if the Browns do keep this close or potentially have a chance to win this game, it's probably because of Nick Chubb, isn't it? Yeah, most likely. And I would want to run it back with Mark Andrews because if the Ravens have to pass a lot, you look at the Ravens throwing to tight ends 42% of the time. They traded Hayden Hurst. Uh, Mark Andrews would be the guy that I would run it back with with Nick Chubb. And I think you then have a very unique roster because Andrews kind of finds himself in no man's land and Chubb is going to be low owned. And now if that if that game plan hits, I mean, the Browns are what, plus 340 on the money line. So it's not un, it's not out of the realm of possibility for them to win. And now you have a very unique roster construction. I just think that the more I think about it, that I would prefer to have Drake in this circumstance. I feel like he's a bit safer. And I don't think that people are going to go out of their way to go use Drake, even versus Chubb. Like, I would project those two guys at probably just, you know, within two or three percentage points in the Millionaire Maker, even just higher stakes tournaments, uh, that they're not going to be, like, go-to options. If Sanders gets the bill of health clean and it looks like he's going to be the guy, everyone's going to use Miles Sanders. And I, I don't really have an argument against him. But I'm not afraid to eat chalk at expensive running back. Uh, uh, I can differentiate my team elsewhere. That's not really a problem for me. I want to make sure I have good running backs, figure out the rest everywhere where there's just more variance at these other positions. Like I'll have a low owned quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver stack and make it cheap uh, in some game that no one wants the quarterback in. And as long as I have my stud running backs, I'm good to go. But then I just look at the rest of the 6,000s. Like Gurley is 6,100. James White is 6,000. Leonard Fournette is $6,000. Then you have, even in the high fives, you have Montgomery, not sure whether he's going to play. Mostart against Arizona is 58. Jonathan Taylor, I don't even think he's starting. I think Marlon Mack is starting. That's going to be a split more than likely. Bell, Ingram, and Devin Singletary. Like, after Gurley, I think you can make a case for a lot of these guys, but you could easily make the opposite case to the downside of all of these guys. But Gurley really piques my interest. I think if you're ever going to use him, week one seems like the time to use him. He's as fresh as he's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I would 100% agree that, that that's a pretty ugly tier. Like, Jonathan Taylor has a fantastic matchup, but Marlon Mack is going to be involved. And it, I'm not playing a running back at 5,700 who might run the ball, what, 12 times and get one target. It's going to be really tough for him to hit his ceiling with that that kind of usage. I think that um, Todd Gurley is in the highest total game. You look at the, the Falcons' pass the most in the NFL. He's got pass-catching ability. Seahawks' opponents – ran the uh, seventh fastest play rate last year. I think that that's a game that I want exposure to, and Gurley's going to be different. People are going to go to Ryan. People are going to go to Julio, Hurst, and um, Calvin Ridley. But how many times have we seen everyone stack up the the passing attack, right? And no one plays the running back. And there there's a guy with a lot of touchdown equity on the team at 3% ownership, and everyone's on the game, and it's a way to be different on that game. So I, th- I think Gurley, you know, in that – you know, 10 to 20 max, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And even if you wanted to really load onto that game, like the, the Matt Ryan, Julio Hurst, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley Hurst, or just with the two receivers is likely going to be one of the top three most popular stacks going on the main slate. Like you said, the highest projected point total game that if you want to use like, even like sort of a mini game stack and go Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf and bring it back with Todd Gurley. I think that's the route that I would take uh, in that just to be a little bit different. I think it has just as much upside. It just, if the game goes that way, then you're looking great. And I think that Seattle wins this game. Yeah. I think Seattle wins this game too. I, I think Lockett is really intriguing and I know we're talking about running backs, but you look at Lockett and it's all about his volume in games where he um, got eight or more targets. He's only done it you know, six in his last 35 times, uh, his last 35 games. But in those games, he's averaged 117 yards um, and nearly a full touchdown. So if you do think this game can shoot out a little bit or the, the Falcons can get uh, play from ahead and the, the Seahawks have to push the pace, you're going to look at the Todd Gurley, Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson show. And I think that's a really, uh, again, way to attack a high scoring game and be different. Yeah, and even if you just want to play both running backs and hope that they just stop their drives inside the five-yard line. I mean, I'm not completely convinced on Carson just there's been so much talk about Carlos Hyde 
Carson's been banged up. He's coming off this hip injury that I don't know. Like you mentioned with uh, Brian Flores, like how much are these guys actually going to play? Maybe that's just a Dolphin-specific thing. But that could be league-wide, that potentially avoiding some of the dinged-up guys will, will lead to lower ownership. It could just lead to fewer touches at the same time. So with the rest of the running backs, is there anyone below this tier that really actually stands out to you? Like I had mentioned Antonio Gibson. You had mentioned James Robinson. But... You know, they're not safe options by any means. Oh, I'm not playing James Robinson. I, I like my money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, so, I think Antonio Gibson is really interesting just from the North Turner perspective. You know, we're looking at an explosive player at Memphis. Yes, he only had 33 carries last year. He did average 11.2, 230-pound, 4'4 guy. He averaged like 19 yards per catch last year. I think he's very interesting. Um, I think that Tariq Cohen, if David Montgomery's out, is really interesting as well because if you look at games where he's had eight or more carries in his career, he averages 23 DK points. So if Montgomery's not there and it's just him and Cordell Patterson, he's going to get on the field. We know he's going to get those five, six, seven, eight targets, and he gets those touches. I think he just creates a nice floor play um, at 4,700. But again, right now it looks like David Montgomery is trending in the right direction, so that won't work if, if Montgomery goes. But I think Cohen is an interesting guy, and he goes back to what you said with, uh, to counter my Jacobs point is that we know he's going to get the pass game work, right? So that creates a nice floor for him. What do you – let's say Montgomery is out. What happens with Cordero Patterson here? Like how many touches do you think he gets? Uh, I would I would pro- project him in that, that 8 to 10 touch range. Yes. I, I don't think he's going to be like the workhorse back. If he was – you know, that, that might be a guy that's interesting because in case he does get that workload, we, we've seen him be one of the most efficient running backs in the NFL, right? The, the issue with Patterson has never been the talent. It's been the route running and knowing where to go, but you give him the football and he makes the, he makes it work, right? So if that's probably more than a 20 max play for me, I would prefer to go Cohen, but I think he's he's interesting as a flyer. At running back, like I mentioned, I want to target these volume guys. Who can I pencil in for all of the volume or at least pass catching upside on teams that are trailing that I know that they're going to see just a spike in snaps? Like the Chris Thompsons of the world could end up being a really nice play here. Eight point dogs. They're the pass. He's the pass catching running back, not James Robinson, although we don't know that for sure. That's just what we're assuming because Jay Gruden's the new OC and that's how he likes to use Chris Thompson. That all of a sudden that could just be a breakout play. But I'm trying to get away from that style of player this year because that's where I end up losing all my money. It's like, oh, they're going to be losing by a ton. I'm going to take this crappy running back who might have eight catches, and he gets like two catches and has like four DraftKings points, and I lose all my money. So I'm really trying to lock into the high-end running backs, get that guaranteed volume, which really leaves me off players like, I don't want to have to figure out the Bucks backfield. I just don't. I don't know if it's going to be Fournette or if it's going to be Ronald Jones or neither of them because maybe they don't run the ball a ton or the Patriots backfield or any of these split backfields. Like the Bills one, to me, is really difficult to figure out because I think the Jets have a terrible defense just both run and pass especially without Jamal Adams there this year and the one thing that I was looking at is where can you really get the Jets well if you run off tackle and hit the perimeter against the Jets that's where you make most of your bones so Devin Singletary is actually that guy for the Bills that's where he had all of his success last year but now all the talk is that he's fumbling Zach Moss is passing him on the depth chart and you always run the worry that if they do get in close neither one of them is going to get the touch Josh Allen's just going to sneak it in so he would actually probably um, Devin Singletary would probably be the guy I'd have the biggest lean towards, but I just, I can't guarantee the volume there. And I don't want to have like a six point player in my lineup. Yeah. Singletary is tough for me to get behind. Zach Moss is going to play that role. Like, you know, I know Frank Gordon scored a lot of touchdowns last year, but you look, he was what second in the NFL with seven tack, uh, getting tackled seven times inside the one yard line. Josh Allen is the goal line quarterback there. Singletary has got a lot of between the twenties, which is, is really tough to hit your ceiling. Um, the, and like you mentioned, Jamal Adams isn't there for the Jets. C.J. Mosley also opted out. That team is one of the worst in the league. I think Bell is a little interesting if you trust that he's going to get the full workhorse volume that he got last year. He didn't ever score touchdowns, but he had a lot of decent games where he actually did get in the end zone. But honestly, this the tier that you have up on the screen right now, it's Todd Gurley or I'm going to pay up a few dollars and get the Miles Sanders, Joe Mixons, Josh Jacobs of the world or I'm going to go down to Gibson and uh, Cohen if Montgomery's out. I'm just not going to mess with that tier. Yeah, it, it, the cheaper tier is tough. Like, I wish I 
carry-on was actually setting up nicely if Swift was going to be out with Scarborough going to the IR. They bring in Adrian Peterson. I just it, It's almost like the Washington football's backfield where I want it to be Gibson. Some other people want it to be Bryce Love, which automatically means Peyton Barber is going to rush the ball 27 times for 43 yards, and that's going to be it. It's just going to be like JD McKissick. Yeah. JD McKissick is going to get eight targets, and everyone's going to be tilting Gibson at three thirty when he played what eight snaps. I mean, that's definitely well within the range of outcomes. You're going to see Gibson talked up a lot in cash, but we're also talking about a lot of unknown and rookie a rookie playing in the NFL for the first time ever. And we say that a lot, but there's no preseason, right? So there's this is legit the first time he's ever taking on an NFL team. Would you go to Zach Moss at 4,400 or is that just like you'd stay away from the Bills backfield just because it's so many unknowns? Like if you had the choice between Moss as the pay down, you said Cohen. Cohen's a bit more expensive, but I think he would just be safer if Montgomery is out. But that's contingent on Montgomery being out. Gibson, I think, is going to be the guy that people gravitate towards him or James Robinson. And I'd be on Team Gibson over Team Robinson along with you. But I don't know how much exposure I want to have just because it's still a Washington running back. It's not like they're going to be great. It's supposed to be all pass catching for them is what you would want like he could turn into chris thompson 2.0 very quickly and he'll have two or three ceiling games a year but that's going to be it most of the time he's going to burn you other than that like i mentioned like do you have a lean on peterson or carry on johnson or do you see that as a split that's 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 getting ugly for me you know (laughs) what i mean it's these are the kind of situations i'm looking to avoid and it's why i have so much trouble playing christian mccaffrey this week all right well well if that's the case let's move to wide receiver then because you know if you don't take Christian McCaffrey, you can have one pay-up spot here if you really want to. Like, Michael Thomas is the most expensive at 9000 But after that, it's almost like at receiver. Like, I don't understand how Devontae Adams is 7300 bucks. I think that everyone should find a way to play Devontae Adams just on an island by himself and put him in your roster. He is under—with the, with the pricing that I'm looking at right now, and I know Mike Evans is now likely not to play with his hamstring injury, that everyone's going to go to Chris Godwin, I'm going to pass on that. Adams is the best play on this slate. Yeah, I I feel like you wrote read you legit stole that off my notes. That's I was so excited to talk about when you said you have one pay up receiver, who are you gonna do? It's gonna be Adams, because quite frankly, you look after week four, he only saw single digit targets in one game. The Minnesota Vikings don't have good corners. Uh, this is a guy that's gonna be locked and loaded for ten to twelve to fourteen targets. He's the top red zone guy in, in the NFL. I think he should be cl- uh, priced a lot closer to Michael Thomas than he is. And at 7,300, I think he's the best buy on the slate. Yeah, that, that's almost the argument I made in season long, too. And that's one thing we should probably talk about is the impact of season long fantasy drafts on week one DraftKings, because people get super hyped about all of the sleepers in week one. And it doesn't seem to translate into week four or week five, but because of the draft, it just happened. Like, that's why Gibson, like, just being sort of a balloon player, like, he got so much hype. James Robinson, going to be the same thing. That's Those are the guys that people are talking about for season long fantasy this week. And the highest percentage of season-long players that don't play on DraftKings will actually play week one. Then they'll lose their money and not come back. But they'll, use, they'll, they'll have that same mindset like, oh, everyone's talking about these guys and they're cheap. I'm going to use both of them. Then they'll lose all their money, like I said. But with Adams and season-long, like I had him and Michael Thomas on the same tier. Like I think they're incredibly close. And if Adams is playing, just you know, using this quick splits tool here on FDNDaily.com, uh, you know who's not good when Devontae Adams plays? Aaron Jones. Uh, Aaron Jones is in a lot of trouble right now with Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon. He really needs those snaps in order to be valuable. But yeah, I think that season long definitely flows right into week one. And it's, it's your point. Exactly. Week one has the most players who haven't played on DraftKings before they just fired up their season long leagues. Most of them are only in one or two leagues. They, they got that, that draft hype and they, they wish they had one more draft. So they kind of, they basically put their season-long team in into week one. And I, I swear Twitter and fantasy football world has been talking up the same eight sleepers this whole time. So I think those guys are all going to have inflated ownership week one. So the way that I kind of constructed, I took I put three $6,000 running backs into my lap, two at running back and the late running back who plays in the later set of games in my flex because you always want to have the later player in your flex spot in case you need to late swap which everyone again go back to that show where having kyle and i talked about all of this of why utilizing the late swap is so advantageous i mean al smith won a millionaire maker because of it uh he just switched on he had no chance of winning first unless he did the late swap and swapped onto the guy who just wasn't going to be owned and he did it that guy went off he ended up winning uh but even if you're like outside of 
the cash line and you have the chalkiest guy in the world, you know that everyone else has the same player as you in the flex. Well, you're going to have, you're going to lose anyway. So you might as well get off that guy, roll the dice on someone else. And maybe you can get min cash and get some of your money back. Sometimes it's not about winning a hundred K or a million dollars every single week. You want to tread water and protect your bankroll. Min cash is sometimes when you get a min cash and you salvage that from getting wiped off the slate, that allows you to fire back the next week, not to redeposit. You have to really think about these things when you're playing on DraftKings every single week. So if I throw Adams into that lineup too, that leaves me $48,000 or $4,800 for each of my next few guys. Like that's not horrible. Like I can still build a pretty balanced team that way and get some studs in there. Yeah. And I actually think that one of the things I like to do is I like to create game stacks because it's hard to get nine individual things right. I mean, it's hard to get three individual things, right? That's why you have a three team parlay (laughs) and it starts paying out at five to one. Right. So if I can correlate what happens, that's good. So Adams is scoring a lot of points. That means the Vikings probably have to do something. They're moving the ball. It's not going to Dalvin Cook. Who's it going to go to? I think Irv Smith is really interesting at 3,100 this week. Vikings ran the second most 11 personnel. You're looking at a guy that really played the slot last year about 66% of the time. He's a talented pass catcher. He's kind of a punt tight end that allows me to, to raise that from $4,800, get back into the 6K range and get a couple more stud receivers in there. Uh, what do you make of if Evans doesn't play? Does that just inflate Godwin to 25 targets? Or are you going to be like a Justin Watson or a Scotty Miller guy? Like, it feels like they're now going to be, if Evans sits and he's like declared out on Sunday morning, uh, that's a late game. So you're going to have to watch out for that. But with Scotty, I, I would think that Scotty Miller probably draws the outside assignment and replaces Evans. Or maybe they bump, if they bump Godwin outside, he's fucked on Lattimore. Like, that's not good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Miller really is a slot receiver at his core, too. So it would make a lot of sense if they did move Godwin outside. You know, and if he has inflated ownership there, I think that's a great situation to to fade. And certainly if you play him and you're behind, that's a perfect late swap example where if Godwin becomes the chalk, you got to move off of him if you're if you're chasing people. Um, I, for, for me, I'm kind of more, much more on the New Orleans side than I am on the Tampa side. Like they've also none of those guys have played together yet. We, we really don't know how they're all going to to adjust. And I think that, you know, yes, um, it's going to be a high-scoring game. Yes, both these teams should pass a lot. But for me, it's it's really the Michael Thomases, the Emmanuel Sanders, the the Cooks in that game that I really want exposure to. So Scotty Miller is $4,000 who could end up with a starting gig here for Tampa. They get, didn't pass this from Tom Brady. Why not? And then if we look at Justin Watson, he's $3,800. It does feel like if Evan sits, like those two guys are going to have ownership on them. I, I don't think I would play either of them. Yeah, I mean, and then we're going to hear how Tom Brady loves little white guys, right? So that's why we need to play Scotty Miller. But <laughs> I <laughs> I think I would rather play 3,900 Paris Campbell against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense that struggles to cover the short part of the field. He runs a ton of drag routes, electric athlete, really struggled last year, potential DJ Shark of 2020, where he kind of breaks out. And I think he could be an interesting guy, with a, a little bit lower ownership if those guys uh, carry the ownership there. So if we just look at the plus $6,000, we're both on board with Devontae Adams being the play from up here. Who would be a secondary or tertiary option if, let's say, Adams ends up carrying, I don't know, like 29% ownership and you want to fade him or you want to construct some different lineups that don't have Devontae Adams in them? Who would be the next logical person to go down to? Because I think Thielen's just going to be a target monster. It's He's appropriately priced is the problem. He's not a value by any means. He's what he should be. If he goes off, he's going to kill that price. If not, then you're looking at like DJ Moore. But Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, and Trubisky is a stack I'm thinking about. Yeah, Allen Robinson, I think that game in general is, is the over-under is too low. Matthew Stafford, when he plays, the Lions scored eight more points per game. Kenny Galladay was hanging out around 80 yards and and almost a full touchdown with Matthew Stafford last year. I think Allen Robinson, there is no Darius Slay. They replace him with Jeffrey Okuda, right? He's a rookie. He's very highly touted, but it's 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 a big deal to go up against Allen Robinson. I, I think DJ Moore is the guy that I want most in that area. Uh, we're looking at a guy in Moore last year who Kyle Allen, and I know people are going to talk about, well, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't throw the deep pass. Good. Kyle Allen threw the Kyle Allen threw the deep pass at 24% completion percentage. You know, DJ Moore was at 73rd in terms of uh, catchable targets. Curtis Samuel was at 105. Kyle Allen could not hit the broadside of a barn. Teddy Bridgewater is very accurate. DJ Moore is one of the best yards after catch guys. The Raiders can't cover deep. They can't cover underneath. They can't tackle. And DJ Moore is an absolute stud. I think that's a game that I want to get exposure to. You look at the Raiders, terrible defense. You look at the Panthers, terrible defense. Um, 
what what the Panther what the Raiders want to do in terms of running the ball, the Panthers can't stop it. And the and you look at Joe Brady coming, and the Panthers were the fastest team in football last year. I think DJ Moore is a guy I want a lot of exposure to this week. So DJ Moore in that area, the, the problem with that game is I think that almost like Devontae Adams, where if I was just going to play like a one-off player from that game and stack a different one, like he would be the stud that I want. I agree with you. DJ Moore is the guy to go with. But if you were to try to stack that game, we'll get to our favorite stacks a little bit later on when we talk about quarterbacks. Would that be like a Bridgewater, McCaffrey, DJ Moore stack? or like Because the problem there is with McCaffrey, if they're going to score a ton of points, he's going to have a lot of those points, which does take away from everyone else. Like, could you feasibly even do you know play josh jacobs on one side or play rugs on one side and then play bridgewater more and like ian thomas if he ends up going with his toe injury yeah i think you could say i mean i would say that teddy bridgewater dj moore curtis samuel samuel's numbers in terms of like air yards and everything were off the charts last year he had the highest air yards he's the only guy with over uh 1200 air yards who failed to break 700 yards and i, I talk about before Kyle Allen was so inaccurate, but if you look at his average separation, Samuel was actually really good last year. I think Waller's a guy you could run it back with, Byron Edwards. Ruggs is definitely explosive. Um, I think on the Raiders' side, there's a, a bit more uncertainty, right, because Ruggs is a rookie, Edwards is a rookie. Uh, Waller was a little less good without um, uh, with Brentford on the field last year, but I think that I would go, if I want to stack the game up completely, I would go Samuel, Bridgewater, Moore, and Waller. Yeah, and then Christian McCaffrey scores five touchdowns and you got no money left. <laughs> Happens. Happens to the best of us. But the other guys down here, like, I don't think anyone's going to use Diggs. You mentioned Lockett before as part of a Seattle uh, type going after that game with a high total. Uh, Diggs, I find really interesting. Uh, you would, like, I, I think that Galladay is just a fine play. I'll probably fade Ridley. Keenan Allen is the other one. He's $6,400. No one really knows what to make of the Chargers offense, but. He's the guy. I, I'm not even sure Mike Williams is going to play. That means it's going to be Hunter Henry, unknown, in Keenan Allen, and then Austin Eckler potentially catching passes out of the backfield. But I don't even know if Tyrod is going to be checking down all that much. Like Generally, in the past, when we've seen Tyrod, instead of doing the blood dumps that Phillip Rivers used to do to Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon to inflate their fantasy floors every single week, Tyrod just runs in those spots. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of concern about Tyrod Taylor, right? And what is that going to mean? whether it's Hunter Henry, even though Charles Clay with Tyra Taylor did have an 18.9% target share. And that's the biggest concern with Eckler, right? Um, and I know we're talking about Keenan Allen, but do mobile quarterbacks pass to running backs? I think the argument for Eckler is that he plays a lot of snaps at the slot and the outside receiver. I think Allen's interesting. I think, you know, we've talked a lot about GPPs and being different. Emmanuel Sanders, if you look at his five um, games indoors, has averaged um, 95 yards indoors. And the, the Bucks were what the fourth worst team against wide receiver twos last year. Uh, they really struggled to, to stop the deep ball. And we know Michael, most of Michael Thomas's work comes within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. He's the best receiver that the, that Thomas has played with in a while. He's 5,700. No one's going to look at him. You know, <laughs> the, the bucks forced teams to throw more than anyone else in the league last year. Um, and when the saints throw, they score at uh, points and bunches. I, I think that Sanders at 5,700 is a guy that no one's going to look at and is a really intriguing play. That's interesting, especially if you want to go full fade on Michael Thomas. And that's the option that you go to, to even pair, even if you want to go to like Kamara, assume he does his work through the air, you go to Emmanuel Sanders and you have Drew Brees. Cause you know, a lot of the reason that Tampa is so bad through there is that their run defense is really good. Unfortunately, this isn't 1991, so that doesn't really matter, but it does force teams to go into the air. Um, man, I don't know if I can get there. With with I, I like the Saints in that game, too. I just feel like Drew Brees, the head of the socialist quarterback movement, just spreads it out too much. It's Michael Thomas, and then we don't know. Like that Emmanuel Sanders role where he could really break out could be Traquan Smith for all we know. Yeah, and no, I mean, listen, that's that's why he's going to be 1% owned, right? A lot of people would feel more comfortable with it if, if he was in that 4,800 range. But for me, it's a situation where if Breeze is going to – right now, Jeff Radcliffe, who's one of the sharpest guys when it comes to projections, they have him – he has him throwing 38 times in this game. You know, Thomas can't get 38 targets. I know he saw 66% <laughs> of the wide receiver targets, which is like 16% higher than anyone else. His volume last year was absurd. It's going to be tough to, to replicate – definitely doable he's michael thomas but i think that if you are going to fade thomas the saints are going to score points in this one and if it goes in a different direction i think sanders is is a reasonable play obviously it could go to cook i just think that if you're gonna 
game stack this one up that he's a guy that I, I definitely want want some exposure to. Uh, so if we drop below $6,000 at wide receiver, you mentioned Sanders. I really like DK Metcalf. I just think DK Metcalf is incredible, and he's going to break out this year, and this is a perfect matchup for him against Atlanta. Other than that, like – of like the guys that we can look at right now in the five thousand dollar area, objectively, I do think that my guy Scoring McLaurin is just—he's just the play. You want one of the Washington footballs? Just take Terry. Fifty-six hundred bucks. He's either gonna earn that value back, like three x that, or he's gonna like ten x it because he's awesome. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with you. It, it, Fifty-six hundred is just too cheap for him. And DK Metcalf is absolutely in a great matchup and. You know, he, he could easily become Julio Jones 2.0 here in a, in, a, in a hurry. But for me, Terry McLaurin, I understand the Eagles got Darius Slay, but McLaurin killed everyone last year. I mean, even against Stefan Gilmore, right? I know he only put up like 73 yards, but that was 35 more yards than Gilmore was giving up the red to every other receiver in the NFL. Uh, Haskins struggled. I know McLaurin's numbers drop with him, but they re- only, really only the touchdowns drop with Haskins. And, he can't be any worse. And the what Reds, the sorry, the Washington football team are going to play from behind. I think McLaren is is a legit, really good play. He's too cheap. He should be closer to that sixty two to sixty five hundred dollar mark. Yeah, he's one one of the main reasons why I'm I, I would concede that someone like Adam Thielen is likely safer than McLaurin for a floor but I'm not looking for a floor in a GPP I'm looking for the upside and I get a cheaper receiver with a higher upside uh, I'm going to take that especially because he's the number one target on the team like I'm not super sweating Steve Sims now people are going to play this clip back to me after he has like three touchdowns on like reverses or like a kick return touchdown but I'll take my chances with scoring McLaurin on this one at 5600 bucks I think he's a fantastic value and then other than that I think the secondary pieces of that Lions and Bears game like I like Anthony Miller and Marvin Jones. Yeah, I mean that that Bears secondary I think is overrated. Um, you look at they're going to start Buster Screen in the slot, who's horrendous, <laughs> and Jalen Johnson, a rookie against Marvin Jones. And we know Marvin. If if Kenny Galladay doesn't go off, you can you can bet Marvin Jones has eighty yards and a touchdown. Maybe a little T.J. Hawkinson mixed in there. But I think that Bears Lions game is a really interesting low owned game to stack this week. Yeah, and people. Well, it's going to be indoors. It's at Ford Field, Stafford back. And the biggest thing to me is Trubisky only plays well against the Lions. If you go back and look at his stats, (laughs) he averages over three passing touchdowns a game. It was Thanksgiving last year, right, where he was like 6% owned and just broke the slate two minutes into it. Um, And I actually think Cohen was a big part of that. But, yeah, no, that Bears-Lions game I think has a chance to shoot out and – um, I'm on the team total over for Lions 23 and a half. And I, I think that, you know, stacking Stafford, even potentially with Jones and Galladay and running it back with Allen Robinson is going to be really unique. Yeah. Or you could do it with, if, if Montgomery ends up sitting, you could do that with Cohen too. I'm actually just looking at the other side of the game, just because I think that people like Stafford this year, a sneaky MVP buzz that just no one wants to use Trubisky. Plus you get the bonus that Trubisky will run from time to time, uh, that he can create some upside with that, with his legs as well. But in three games over the past two years against the lions, he's completed 75% of his passes and has is averaging three touchdowns a game and 290 yards. Like he legit sucks against every other team. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess everyone has that one person that they're they're really good against, right? Even though that person or team is better than them. And again, no Darius Slay. Justin Coleman's one of the worst slot receivers in the NFL. Jeff Rakuda's a rookie. The Lions defense is not particularly good. The only question is, if Trubisky's legit terrible, is he going to get that second half? Are they going to pull him for fools? But I don't think so. I think Pace is desperate as he passes on Watson and Mahomes, right? And everyone just continues to make fun of them every single time to try to give this Trubisky thing as much rope as possible. And you mentioned the running upside. And I think that's one of the things we, we stray too far away from with quarterbacks. I know Rich Rebar talks about the Konami code and that's really what it is. You quarterbacks with rushing upside, they, they almost start with three or four more points than everybody else. So I don't mind the Trubisky. I don't think I'll go there, but I completely get it. Well, I said I'd try to be better at DraftKings this year, and now I'm talking about using Mitch Trubisky. So we, we know how this is going to go. But the big thing that I like about their offense, especially if Montgomery ends up playing, is that I know where the passes are going to go. They have like 38 tight ends. I'm not sweating Jimmy Graham. I know it's either going to go to Allen Robinson or it's going to go to Anthony Miller. Like they're probably going to combine for over 50% of the market share of targets. That 
that that is like old school Denver with Sanders and DT or old school Oakland with Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper. Like there are so few teams like that anymore that the Bears are actually one of them. Yeah. The other team is the Saints, right? Except they don't combine for two receivers. They go to one. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I actually think the other one, by the way, is the Packers this year. And it's just going to go to Devontae Adams. But yeah, I really think that's the great thing about the Bears when it comes to fantasy football is the only other person I might go to is Cohen. And everyone else is going to be two targets or less. So. Well, now now that it's indoors on the fast track, it's going to be Ted Ginn season. He's going to catch like three 50-yard touchdowns or something. Ugh. Uh, below, actually, the last guy in this area, they're right, they're back-to-back. Like, Jamison Crowder kills the Bills because they just allow you to catch four-yard passes on them, but he's going to have to score a touchdown to really kind of break the slate. He'll have like 11 catches for 84 yards, and you hope he gets into the end zone. Uh, other than that, like you have Hollywood Brown and Ruggs back to back. They're just both. I mean, we don't know what Ruggs is going to be. We assume because of his speed that he's going to be a really big, deep threat. Uh, would you prefer Ruggs over Brown in this matchup with, you know, the, with the Ravens being eight point favorites? You expect a lot of running in that game where in the with Ruggs and Oakland, like they could be behind on the Panthers. Who knows what's going to happen in that game that Ruggs could be the guy maybe. I think they're both highly volatile. I think Brown is one of those guys that if you get the game script right, and it's the day that the Panther or the sorry the Ravens have to throw a lot, Brown could explode. The one thing he has on everybody is speed, but the Browns' corners and Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward are two of the fastest tandems in the NFL. So, or so I I probably am not looking Brown in this one. I get the rugs infatuation right because if he gets eight targets, he could break the slate. Jamison Crowder. <laughs> Trey White doesn't go in the slot, and that's basically where you're going to attack. And they are out of players elsewhere. So I get Jameson Crowder. It's just I I could see him in cash games, but in tournaments, I just, yeah. to your point, he's really got to get in the end zone once, maybe twice, to really hurt you in that range compared to everyone else in that range. Like you mentioned Hollywood Brown. You went, mentioned Henry Ruggs. Those guys have 30-point ceilings. I don't think that Jameson Crowder hits that without two catches for touchdowns. And I think the other guy that's interesting is Deshaun Jackson. He's becoming more and more popular, which will make me like him less and less because of how volatile he is. But if Rieger's out, Jeffrey's out, we saw these guys, we saw him torch the uh, Washington football team last year, right? We eight catches for 154 yards and two touchdowns for, for me, Jackson is interesting. Um, uh, but I, I, I like rugs, especially if I'm going to stack up the Panthers and I'm going to stack that game in a 20 max. I'm just going to start mixing and matching Raiders. I, I think that he could absolutely explode. Would you be more willing to use a bunch of rugs or would you say, hey, Brian Edwards is getting the rub as the wide receiver too over Tyrell Williams. He's super cheap. Just go to him to save money. For me, I would, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have a uh, cop-out answer right now and say that if I'm running a 20 max, because I'm probably not playing either in single or uh, three entry max. If I'm running a 20 max and I'm stacking that game up, I'd probably leave their exposures even. Um, that's that's not a situation that I want to really go strong on one side because at the end of the day, we're all just guessing. I, I totally I, When we were going through all the names, I forgot that Edelman was $6,000. What do you think his ownership is going to be, like 0.5%? <laughs> I, was, I was looking at this and – it's really tough to predict what that game looks like, right? Because the Dolphins uh, have, you know, the after sign Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, they, they have excellent outside corners. They're not probably not going to go into the slot at all. You know, what? Wh- how are the pa- Patriots going to call plays? You look at like when Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback, they were uh, Josh McDaniels was 32nd in pass rate. But when Kyle Orton was the quarterback, he was like seventh. I mean, it's it's been all over the place. So I think that one's a little bit tougher to predict. I think Cam Newton, if you're going to play Cam Newton, Julian Edelman makes some sense, but I'm probably just going to let him let someone else have that headache. So below Deshaun Jackson, $4,900, all the way to the bottom of receiver. You mentioned Paris Campbell, the Frenchman. Maybe he is someone that you can get behind, but I don't know if I'm there with him. I, is there anyone else down there that you can see going off? Uh, please don't make me try to say Paris Campbell the way you just did. Uh, that was that was very, very impressive. Recently played a, a game where you had to say everything in accents, and uh, I had to do French, and all I could come up with was wee-wee. Oui, oui. So very no, impressive. No, see, with... uh, like, <laughs> tu es Canadien, tu parles français. It's a, it's a part of the thing you do up here. 
Yeah, well, uh, I, I'm going to have to just trust you on that one and say that if I had to think of a, a guy that's interesting is because I, I would want to stack him up with his quarterback is, is LaVisca Chenault playing in the slot. I think he could potentially get some RB carries, potentially some wildcat. Gardner Minshew is a guy that averaged 21 DK points and losses. He's got some of that rushing upside, fifth in rushing attempts last year um, per game. So I think that Chenault is another guy there. But again, this is this is why I just struggle to get to Christian McCaffrey. I'm willing to punt tight end, but this 4K range is, is not exciting. No, it's it's really not. And just as a rule of thumb, if there is a 4K or 3K wide receiver who ends up becoming like the play, like he's the oh he's stepping into this role, like the Scotty Miller, or Justin Watson, whichever one of those guys replaces Mike Evans, is going to end up being chalk. Just don't play the chalk cheap wide receiver. It it it'll work out. I don't know, four of 16 times during the year. The other weeks, because you faded them, you're gonna profit immensely off of not playing these losers. Yeah, it goes back to your running back point earlier, right? Like, I'm willing to eat chalk on running backs because it's a lot harder to bust when you have 25 opportunities than when you have five to six, right? Nelson Aguilar is really the one guy that I can think of last year where everyone played him, and then he ended up working out against the Lions, right? And it took the Lions for getting him to tackle him on one play where the guys just stopped going at him, and then he scored like a 30-yard touchdown, so... Couldn't agree more that if, if any of those three to four K receivers become Uber chalk, you know, always fade that. Yeah, it'd be like if all the Eagles receivers are out, you just have Deshaun Jackson, then uh, or Sega Whiteside ends up becoming super chalk. Then like Greg Ward will go off because that's just what happens. Or they both suck because that could happen too. Washington's defense, not terrible, by the way. At least the front seven, they're going to get to the quarterback. Uh, but let's talk tight end very briefly. Uh, we'll talk about stacks afterwards. But independent, if you're just going to punt at tight end, you mentioned Irv Smith. Uh, I like Jack Doyle a lot. I think that Jack Doyle without Trey Burton now placed on IR is just... He's not a super high upside tight end, but if he can find his way into the end zone, like he should have a target base of, let's say, I don't know, five to eight targets with Phillip Rivers and no other tight ends, unless my guy Mo Alicox ends up on the field. But I, I like Jack Doyle a lot, and he's cheap. Yeah, I mean, you said he doesn't have much upside, but most tight ends don't have much upside, right? That's that's the real advantage to punting tight end is that you're really just hoping that the the 6K plus guys don't go off for 20 plus points because 10 points, you could you can win a tournament with 10 points from a tight end. And, you know, the, the Colts targeted tight ends third most in the NFL last year. You said there's no Eric Ebron, Trey Burton's out. Jack Doyle could easily get you four for 40 and a touchdown and you're sitting real pretty. Yeah, like I paying up for Kittle would be fi- fantastic. But if we can't find the money to pay up for McCaffrey, finding the money to pay up for Kittle at $7,200 is going to be tough. I don't even know what to make of that. 49ers offense I think the 49ers offense is going to be good and Kittle's going to be the main cog in that but after him I can't for the life of me figure it out oh, the Kittle thing man why does he have to be 7200 <laughs> and I know it's because he's playing the Cardinals but Cardinals gave up 18 fantasy points uh, per game to tight ends last year they gave up 16 touchdowns no team allowed more yards after uh, the catch than the Arizona Cardinals no player had more yards after catch in the NFL last year than George Kittle. There is, um, there's likely no Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Debo Samuel is coming off an injury. And he's probably like, not going to play either. Right. It's like, <laughs> there's no one there. And if you look at games where the total was 47 and a half or higher, Kittle averaged 9.6 targets and 91.2 um, yards last year. Like, everything sets up for George Kittle to smash. But at 7,200 at the tight end position, it becomes really, really difficult to play him, which probably means he's a good play in GPPs because everyone's going to look at him, say, I want him, and then be like, well, I can't figure out a way to make it work, and then no one plays him. So I I think that there's so much going for Kittle other than that price that if his ownership becomes really low, he's worth taking a long look at. Yeah, so maybe that's in the circumstance if you're playing more than, like, it's tough to slide him into a single entry or a cash game. He's just too expensive. When you have, like, capable $3,000 options that present a decent floor, just not that same sort of upside. But if you were to run a 20 max, that instead of using Adams in some lineups, use that salary and pay for Kittle in your tight end slot. Yeah, it's tough, right? How How many times has George Kittle outscored Devontae Adams? Not many. I would say, I what, like 25% of the time? Yeah, so but Kittle those, and Kelsey but, are really, but, but, but those are the risks. And I, would, I wouldn't do it if Kittle was going to be like 25% owned, but he's right. probably going to end up being, what, 6% owned? Yeah. 
the only thing I worry about is that everyone last year just just ran to who who's the, who are the Cardinals playing? That's who are playing at tight end, right? I mean, last year was like Will Disley and TJ Hawkinson going for 30 points when they played the Cardinals. So it just got to the point where it was the big debate. Are, are tight end funnels a real thing? Um, and the Cardinals were like, yep, last year it certainly was a real thing. So if that inflates his ownership, I don't think he's a good play. But again, if like your point, if he's 6% owned, and I'm playing a lot of lineups. I want to get some George Kittle exposure. Yeah, and I'm good with like fading all the rest of the guys. Like, I just don't want to pay up a tight end. Like, there's nothing wrong with Waller or Andrews or Ertz or Cook or Hunter Henry. I don't like Austin Hooper this week, but I, I think I can. I would prefer to spend the money at other positions. Put it that way. You mentioned Irv. I like Jack Doyle. Is there anyone else down there? Like, I was initially leaning Tyler Eifert now in Jacksonville, uh, but when the depth charts came out, all of a sudden the Irish assassin James O'Shaughnessy was listed ahead of him on the depth chart. So, like, great. That's not going to work. Yeah. Dallas Goddard's interesting at 4,100. The Redskins uh, – sorry, the Washington football team was not good at covering and, the tight end last and, year. And there is a lack of passing option, passing weapons on Philly. That could actually really work out because they're probably just going to run 12 the entire game. Yeah, and they ran more 12 than any other team in the NFL. And you look at the second half of the year when Goddard got healthy, he was playing – 80% or more of the snaps in five of his last seven games with Ertz still on the field. And, you know, he was top eight in target share among tight ends. You know, this is this is a guy that I think is really interesting at 4,100. Hayden Hurst is a little interesting as well. Seattle struggled to cover the tight end. I know Jamal Adams is there, but their cover three system kind of force feeds the ball to tight end some. Austin Hooper had a big role there. I'm not convinced Hayden Hurst is any good. I think that people are going to see that, that green number next to Hurst's name. And you mentioned the season-long stuff. Hurst has been a darling of people for months that I think that's going to inflate his ownership. All right, let's talk about quarterbacks, and we'll talk about the best stacks that we think that are currently available out there, especially the cheap ones, because you can really save a lot of money at quarterback. Are there any quarterbacks in any lineup that you would play just independent of stack? Just play them naked. Like, would you play a naked Cam Newton? I think those that's the only kind of quarterback you can ever play uh, naked. Um, in order to win a tournament, you need to say, I'm playing him because I think they're going to score three touchdowns and two of them are going to be rushing uh, by Cam Newton. So I think Newton is the one guy I I would play naked, but I don't think that uh, I'm going to go that direction this week. So uh, uh, the jabronis I like this week, because, I mean, if we're going to save some money, we got to save it somewhere. I mentioned Trubisky with the Bears guys and potentially a Lions guy coming back. I think that that could work. I also think that my guy Minshew Walk and pair him up with DJ Chark and just go nuts. I love that. I was I was all excited about it. You know, the the naked yoga might not be for me, but Minshew is for me when it comes to getting him in my lineups. I mean, twenty one DK points per game and losses. This team's going to have to throw a ton. Uh, Shark is going to have no ownership. That makes for a great stack. They're, they're underdogs in a dome, and he he has that rushing upside. No one talks about Minshew's rushing upside. And I understand he didn't score a touchdown last year, but when plays break down, he looks to use his legs. He averaged over 30 yards per game on the ground. Uh, I, the Colts give up yards to quarterbacks uh, rushing. I think that this is a really sneaky matchup for Minshew with no ownership. You throw him in with, with Shark, and if he hits – you know, I think you're, it's going to allow you to play all the other studs. And, you know, even if he just gets 18 to 20, there's a chance he's in that conversation with everybody else. And the stack itself is only $12,000 of your salary cap, which is huge. And Indy allowed the fourth most passing yards on deep passing attempts last season. Only the Bengals, the Raiders, and the Giants were worse. And they allowed a touchdown on 13% of those pass attempts. And when you look at Minshew last season, he completed 56% of his passes when he was throwing deep to DJ Shark versus 40% versus the rest of the Jags. So, you I mean you could throw in Chris Thompson if you think that's a game script that's going to go? The Shineholt Wig Factory, you can chuck him in there if you want. O'Shaughnessy, Eifert, or you could just say Minshew, Shark, let's go. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And for me, sometimes you want to run it back. That's where I would probably look to play Campbell. But I'm, I'm Minshew is probably going to be one of my highest owned quarterbacks this week. So we've talked about the kind of the cheap guys. Those are the cheap guys that I do like. Is there any expensive quarterbacks? Like you mentioned the Bridgewater stack. That is also incredibly cheap if you want to go for it. But like what if we're talking about Lamar or Russell Wilson or Breeze or Ryan or any of these guys? Of the studs, is there any that you like? Because I have sort of like I can't figure out what to do with the Cardinals receivers. But I think that Kyler Murray has a really good game. And I know no one's going to use him. (laughs) 
Yeah, I was actually looking at earlier too. And, you know, he had eight, 11 rushing attempts in the two games last year. And I mentioned how once they spread him out and sped up San Francisco, they really gave them a lot of problems. I think Murray is a really interesting play. But, you know, Hopkins versus Sherman, do I really want to go that direction? Do I have any idea where they're going to, where he's going to get the ball? I think even a Murray Drake stack to try to take all the touchdowns and say, you know, he could dump it off to Drake, which we've seen in the past, is, is interesting. Uh, Matt Ryan is a guy I have a lot of interest in this week. He really struggles when teams pressure him, and he really excels when they don't. And the Seahawks were the third worst team in adjusted sack rate last year. They lost to Davion Clowney. I know they added Adams, and he had six sacks last year, but he's not really a pass rusher. He's probably their best pass rusher, which is real bad news for them. Um, indoors, you know, you get Julio, healthy Julio Jones. I, I think that the, the Falcons threw the ball the most of any team last year. It's the highest total, so his ownership is going to be a little inflated. But I definitely think uh, Matt Ryan is, is a good play this week. Would you play Breeze or would you play Ryan? Because I think that everyone is – I think that Matt Ryan is going to be the chalk quarterback. Yeah, the whole thing with Breeze is making sure that he has enough pass attempts, and it goes back to what I said earlier, right? Projected for 38 pass attempts. The, the Bucks made quarterbacks throw against them more than any other team. I definitely could see that game being the shootout. And that happens, what, two, three times a year where teams go down to New Orleans and the game just goes off and Drew Brees, for whatever reason, doesn't have the ownership and the game is 45 to 40 and he's got four or five touchdown passes. I definitely have some interest in Brees in this one. And I think there's ways to get creative to fit him in. Uh, I guess, yeah, the pay down quarterback, like you mentioned, with Teddy Bridgewater, the Raiders allowed the fourth most yards after reception last year. It was almost six yards after the catch per catch last year, which kind of really rates out well for your DJ Moore. I mean, because I mean, I guess DJ Moore is expensive. So that kind of hurts to work out. If you want to throw McCaffrey into that, too, then the rest of your lineup is kind of blown up. But let's say you want to pay down for, I don't know, like no one's going to use Carson Wentz at $6,300. You just pair him up with Deshaun Jackson, be on your way. They've won five straight against Washington. He's hit the 300-yard bonus in three of those games. I don't think that I'll get there, but I think that he's intriguing nonetheless. Yeah, one of the things that I've heard is actually the other side of that game for Washington is use Haskins with McLaren. Yeah, I mean, if you use Wentz, Djax, Goddard, if that you want to make a triple stack on that side and bring it back with McLaurin, like you can afford basically anyone else at that point. Yeah, a hundred percent. I actually, the thing that's tough for me is I think that Washington is one of the best punt defenses of the week. Oh, me too. <laughs> um, you know, I think you mentioned it earlier. Their front seven, they were top four in adjusted sack rate, and that's before they got Chase Young. We saw what Nick Bosa did to that. 49ers defense the year before I the, the Eagles are missing two offensive linemen too like no Brandon Brooks right Andre Dillard is out Jason Peters has always been a left tackle but he took all his snaps at right guard I I think that the Washington is going to give them a little bit more problems than people anticipate I actually think Washington covers plus six um, for me I'd probably rather play the ancillary pieces of Goddard and McLaren and uh, Washington's defense obviously not all on the same team but um, then go the the Wentz route. But if I am going Jackson for him to go off, I do think Wentz probably hits the ceiling. So defenses to close this out. I like where you're at with the Washington. We just call them the Washington footballs on this show. That's what they just changed their name to. It makes it very easy. Then you just drop the team, everything like when you're coding stuff, it's not too long. I don't have to adjust any fonts. It works out perfectly. So they're $2,000 that allows you, like you want McCaffrey, use the footballs at 2000 bucks against Philly. Uh, like you mentioned, th there's one way to play fantasy defenses on DraftKings. Find the team with the best adjusted sack rates and use them, especially in games that you project to be close and it's not like the eagles are 10 point favorites they're six point favorites and these teams have played a few close games in the past that you want a team with a very good adjusted sack rate against a quarterback who's going to throw immense volume i don't care how many points they give up i want a guy dropping back 45 times that d-line going at him you get pressures pressures lead to sacks sacks lead to fumbles or pressures lead to bad decisions which lead to interceptions we could be six back the other way it's impossible to predict defense that is the best indicator that we have and the two teams that kind of do that the best in these matchups where no one's really considering them, it's Washington at the min and the Panthers get to the quarterback. Now, Oakland has a good offensive line, but the Panthers really do harass the quarterback. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good call. They were, I think they were top five in adjusted sack rate last year. They add Brown in the draft. 
who a lot of people really liked. And if that game doesn't go the way people expect and it doesn't shoot out, there's a really good chance that the Panthers are making the Raiders' lives miserable because the only way they're going to stop them is by getting in that backfield. Because if they don't, they're in all kinds of trouble. But I think your point is is spot on. I'm not looking for shutouts. You know what I mean? This isn't 2000 where teams are just going to give up three points. The, the variance in defense is, is so great. And so often, you know, a couple defensive touchdowns can make or break a slate that give me the teams that are cheap that get after the quarterback. If I have to pay up this week, it'll probably be the Ravens just because ever since they got Marcus Peters, they, they shut everybody down. They get a lot of pressure. They added Calais Campbell, Baker Mayfield, you know, <laughs> was top five in danger throws and interceptions and interceptable passes last year. So I think the Ravens, if I'm going to pay up are all the way up at 3,100 is, is the ceiling of where I would go. The Vikings adding Ngakwe with, with, Hen, uh, with Hunter, I think is really interesting. One of the things that we haven't talked about with defenses is that there's not going to be any crowd noise and how that can impact everything. Uh, and Gakwe is actually a guy that his his um, road splits are so much better for pressure rate than home splits because there's no he can hear the snap count. He jumps the snap count probably better than anybody else, and he's going to have that opportunity now playing across the best guy he's ever played with too. So Vikings are a little bit interesting on defense as well, but Panthers are another one. And I, ultimately – there's so many people I want to pay up for that it's not going to be defenses. Yeah, like if you're going to pay up for defense, the only one I would consider is the Niners, just because they get to the quarterback. Uh, but like you said, there's that kind of entire range there at $2,500 and down that you can go to. A- after the 49ers, I think the Colts would be the pay-up defense. They're only $3,000. The Chargers, people are just going to overlook because they lost Erwin James, but I don't really care about that. They they have their entire defensive line against a rookie quarterback making his first start who might try to run the ball a little bit, and then all of a sudden those turn into really easy sacks. They're 28. But this range right here, you mentioned it. Vikings 25. They were fifth in adjusted sack rate last year anyway, and they've gotten better on the defensive line. Panthers at 25 Saints at 24 that one's a bit tougher but if they jump out ahead like it's going to be all passing from Brady and we've seen the Saints defense also penetrate the offensive line and really harass quarterbacks and then the the footballs at 2,000 bucks I I think just do just a rotation of those guys if one of them becomes chalk don't play them and then just throw them out of the circuit and then just rotate these three defenses through if you're going to end up playing 20 lineups or something like that. And hopefully you match up the one that goes off out of those three with you know your good team and then you're dancing. I couldn't have said it any better myself. I think the Saints could become a little bit more popular if Evans is out because if Lattimore can neutralize Godwin, the team's in a bit of trouble trying to move the ball with a new quarterback who's never really thrown the ball to, to all these guys learning from a new coach. So I think the Saints are an interesting one. Like you said, if, if, they, if Evans is out, and they don't become popular, I definitely want them in that mix as well. All right, that will do it. Pat Mayo Experience 2020 Week 1 DraftKings Picks. It's in the book. You want my more insight on this when I have even when I have some very sharp projections, people, and DraftKings pros. Friday evening, live, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, behind the paywall at FTNDaily.com. Use Mayo, get yourself a discount, and get into that giveaway draw that I was talking about. A lot of the stats that I've been referencing today and that Elliot's been referencing today and all of the tools that we're talking about, you can get for yourself when you get a sub at FTN daily.com so i highly recommend that also i'll have a friday night show on the pat mayo experience we're going over all the injury reports after those come out then i'm live sunday morning with brad evans 10 a.m eastern time mayo media network youtube will be up on the podcast feed after the fact so you might want to tune into that as well elliot what do you got cooking up over ftn daily i got the uh, showdown breakdown that'll come out tomorrow i've got advanced defense first position i got my favorite 10 uh, plays under 10% ownership. Got a nice, fun betting live stream that precedes your show on, on Friday. Got a uh, tomorrow night is a Thursday night football primetime show. We got a nice, fun fantasy show with Brad and Jeff. You know, just the content never stops over at FTN Daily, FTN Bets, and FTNFantasy.com. Yeah. And if you go to any one of those three or just get the platinum package, which I think does that include everything or is that fantasy and daily? Uh, Diamond has fantasy and, and daily. That gets everything. 
All right, so yeah, just use code MAYO, get yourself a discount over there, all right? Then send me the screenshot, and boom, you're in the draw to get that shit for free. Who wouldn't want that? But you gotta pay for it first, because you're gonna use it, and you're gonna be like, man, what, how was I doing anything without using this anyway? So again, ftndaily.com. Figure it out. Give your head a shake, and go over there right now, all right? Like I said, Friday night, I'll be live. I'll have the Pat Mayo Experience show. We got US Open shows coming out next week as well. Hit Mayo Media Network, and please subscribe uh, to the network. We're trying to build it as big as possible. Share the show around. You can find my cheat sheet up on dkplaybook.com all of tournament pivots up on ftndaily.com free for anyone out there if you want to get over to the site and check it i got some golf up there already too and that will do it for me smash the like on the way out and give me your favorite running back below five thousand dollars in the comment section help out that algorithm all right i'm pat mayo i'll see you next time experience experience